0: life is unfair and is inherently unfair because we live in a fallen world full of sin epidemic narcissism and ruthless ambition as a result unless you're currently winning then most of life will seem exceedingly unfair we have this culture oh is there are there no more blanks sorry so if we just if you guys just put the PowerPoint on, it'll work. Uh, all right. Well, okay. we I don't know how Jesus taught without PowerPoint, but uh, there we go. Wow. I'm a little, like, are there any of my images up there? They're all up Okay. 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 Um, Heavenly Father, obviously there's just a lot going on this morning, and uh, Lord, I've learned that when stuff doesn't work in technology, a lot of times it's because there's a war going on that, that we are just unaware of, and and I pray, Lord, I know that people need to hear this passage this morning, and it's fun to, to, to laugh, and it's fun, I mean, we, we, we like it when things go wrong um, sometimes. But God, we just want to hear your voice this morning. Be exalted in this. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the danger is is that our society is so obsessed with entitlement. That we're entitled to whatever anybody else has. And i got to tell you, this hits home with me. I can be a very jealous person. I, I can be really upset when things don't look to be fair because I know how hard, hard I work, and then I see somebody else have something. It's just like God, I work so hard. How come they get this and and I get nothing? I'm sure nobody in here can relate to that. <laughs> but it's like, what's fair for me? Why do they have what I don't? It's not fair being treated this way. Our mom said this all the time when we were growing up. Life is not fair, but we didn't listen, (laughs) we didn't hear her, but here's the thing I, I think moms forget to say, life isn't fair, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's not. There's a reason that life is not fair. And what we'll discover this morning is that what the reason that it's not necessarily a bad thing that life is not fair is that God leverages unfair circumstances to orchestrate his will in our life. And this is what we're going to discover from this morning is that when we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. We have a culture that focuses on what's not fair. Thus, we have a culture that's blind to God's opportunity. So let's dig in. Acts chapter 24, um, 25, actually we're going to end. I have no idea where I put my glasses, but um, they're right here. Um, (laughs) Acts chapter 25, we're just going to start the last verse of 24. It's up on screen, but don't just look at the screen. Grab your Bible. I may have lied on the screen. Okay, look at your book. Okay, here it is. Verse 27 of chapter 24. We read it last week. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. you, You talk about unfair circumstances. This is beyond unfair. This is completely unjust. This is somebody sitting Bound for two years when they didn't do anything wrong. That never happens in America. But you know, we read about uh, Governor Felix the past couple of weeks and just what a corrupt, immoral man he was. He was—he was a pretty rotten dude. You know, he kept sending for Paul, hoping that Paul would bribe him to get him out of jail. That's why he's still bound. That was Felix. And, and Felix knew about the way, which is what they called early Christians. I really think we need to go back to that. that we were the way. I love that. And, and here's the way, and he knew all about the way, and, um, but he just waited. Well, Felix loses his job, and from history, from Roman history, we know what happened to him. Oh, thank you. We know what happened to him. Oh, I can see you. <laughs> you guys are not blobs. Um, some of you are not blobs. But, so, but we know what happened to Felix is Felix got busted because we remember he was governor, a very similar position to governor uh, Pontius Pilate, if you remember that. Very similar position, only over territory, not just, you know, not just Judea. But, so he, he, He gets fired because he got the job as governor because his childhood friend was the emperor, Claudius. Well, now there's a new emperor. It's Emperor Nero. And you can't just say Nero, you have to say Nero. It's the worst. So here's Nero. He's there. Well, Felix loses his job for corruption and misgovernment. And he gets called back to Rome and is put on trial and he is banished from the Roman Empire. That's what happens to Felix. Well, a new guy, uh, Festus, he's on scene now. Well, Felix, he never finished the trial of Paul, or respond to what he learned about from Paul about Jesus. He heard all about Jesus, but even though there's no guilty verdict, or any provable, oh, <laughs> uh, okay, eh, whatever. Even though there's no guilty verdict or any provable charges, Felix, in one final act of corrupt injustice, leaves Paul under house arrest on his way out the door. And you probably remember this because you just saw it two seconds ago. But we've talked about it. Unfair situations. We looked at this a few weeks ago, how so many people, they just don't know why life is so unfair. It doesn't make sense. It's like trying to watch a 3D movie without the right lens. And they're just going through life and they're just, they're just exhausted from it. It doesn't work. It's hard. Why does all this bad stuff happen? And then all of a sudden... If you find the Lord and you get a biblical lens, everything starts to make sense. All of a sudden there's birds flying and I can see them and they look like they pop out because I have the right lens. Listen, that's what we need. We need that right lens. In unfair situations, we have a choice to live by the promises of God or to live circumstantially according to the lies, philosophies, and solutions that the world advocates. However, through a biblical lens, we can have peace even in the most unfair circumstances. When we focus on what's unfair, we become blind, become blind to God's opportunities. Enter Festus. Oh. Um, I, I, I got it. Uh, uh, it's. Okay. All right. Enter Festus. Enter Festus. Brand new to the situation. He's walking into a hornet's nest and he has no idea. What we're going to look at is we're going to look at his first couple weeks on the job and what's happening to him. 25 verse 1. Now when Festus had come to the province... After three days, he went up from um, Caesarea to Jerusalem. And so we know, we read through this, how Paul was taken by armed guard, armed warriors, from Jerusalem down the road to Caesarea. Well, now, Caesarea was the Roman capital or, or, or headquarters of this district. That's where the government of Rome was headquartered for this region. But now Festus is brand new to this region. He's over to Judea and Samaria. So he knows his first day on the job. He's there in less than three days. And he's like, he goes, okay, I'm going to go up to Judea. I'm going to go to Jerusalem to meet the Jewish leaders. This is what a good boss would do his first day on the job. So he leaves Caesarea and he goes up to Jerusalem. And and we remember this road, how it goes in between here. This is going to be a really important road because of what could happen on that road. After three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, And they petitioned him. So it's not fair, but in his first week, it's not just an unfair situation to Paul. It's an unfair situation to Festus. Felix was a bad dude. He was immoral, corrupt. But it appears from history and from Scripture that Festus has a much higher character than Felix did. But he's just walked into this hornet's nest. And you know you can have good intentions, but if you walk into the middle of a fight, you're going to get punched. Not fair, but that's the way life works. Life isn't fair, but that's a good thing. It's not fair, but in his first week on the job, Festus already has a significant problem he inherited from his predecessor due to Felix's lack of leadership, corruption, and unbridled greed. He's in the middle of the ring, and on one side over here, you have Paul. There's the Apostle Paul, an innocent man who's been locked up for two years. And then on the other side of the ring, you have the Jewish leaders. And they hate Paul. And it's, it, it's a threat to be this huge riot that could break out. And here's Festus. Hey, guys, I'm brand new to the area. What's up? He's walked into that hornet's nest. When we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. They petitioned him, asking a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. So this is the second time that these rotten guys have tried to kill Paul. And what they say is, hey, Festus, why don't you bring Paul? Or why don't you bring Paul up to Jerusalem so we can try him there? But their plan is to ambush and kill him. We compared it to this high value target. This is someone who was a criminal on on charge for war crimes. We remember how when Paul left the commander from Jerusalem to Caesarea, he had two hundred soldiers, four hundred seventy guards to transfer one prisoner because he didn't want Paul to die. High value target. Well, the same thing is in reverse here. They're asking him to go up there. You remember that this road has all these mountain passes and canyons where it would be easy to ambush him. And Festus doesn't even know how volatile the situation is. He's going to learn real quick. But two years had passed. There was even a new high priest. However, the Jews were still so raging with venom towards Paul. and Ultimately, it's for what Paul taught about Jesus that they were still plotting plotting to murder him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. We're not going to try him here. We'll we'll try him in in Caesarea. And when he had remained among them for more than ten days... He went down to Caesarea. So he came back down there where Paul was being held. Um, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, the Bema seat, he commanded, excuse me, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And so you can see that, uh, Paul was kept at Caesarea that Festus went up to Jerusalem and now he's come back to Caesarea along the the Jewish leaders have come back and here's another unfair hearing against Paul. It's unfair because he hasn't done anything wrong. It's one thing to go to trial for something you've never done, didn't do wrong. It's another thing to go to trial for what you didn't do wrong, sit in prison two years and then after two years they come and do another Unfair trial against you, and you still haven't done anything wrong. But when we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. Verse 8. While he, this is Paul, while Paul answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. In other words, I'm completely innocent. I haven't done anything. Have you ever, ever ever been falsely accused? It's not fair. Well, life isn't fair. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. God's priority, you don't need to listen to anything else. I say, just listen to this. God's priority isn't fairness. Do you hear that? God's priority isn't our personal happiness. God's priority isn't that we get a fair deal. It's not. His priority isn't fairness. Sometimes the most unfair predicaments are exactly where God has arranged for us to be. That's where Paul is right now, and that's where Festus is right now. They're both in an unfair situation, but it's right where the Lord wants them to be. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, there's a problem. (laughs) That's how, nothing has changed. Politics is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. Same heart of man ruins it all. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Okay, so here's Festus stuck in the middle. Got an innocent man and have a possible angry mob his first week on the job. So he's like, well, maybe we could compromise and we could do the trial, change of venue from Caesarea, we'll go up to Jerusalem. And we know what the reason why they want to do it in Jerusalem so that Paul, so they could ambush and kill Paul while he's on his way up there. However, Roman law, Roman law is very similar to our law. In fact, our judicial system, very much based on the Greco-Roman system of justice. However, Roman law, did not allow a change of venue unless the accused requested it. So he's like, hey, Paul, what do you think about a change of venue? So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, his Bema seat. I stand stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I have done nothing wrong. As you very well know, you know this, for for I am an offender, For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. You know, that phrase, I appeal to Caesar, is not just a random sentence. In fact, I appeal to Caesar was a legal phrase... In the Roman system of justice made up of two Greek words, any Roman citizen could utter this legal phrase when they felt they were being treated unfairly in a local court, unless it was for murder, rape, or kidnapping, so that by law, their case would be transferred to be heard before Caesar. Just like somebody who, who loses a trial in our system of judgment, they can appeal to a higher level of court they could go to the state supreme court they could go all the way up to the the federal supreme court Well, paul realizes here he's just being the best way to describe it he's being a political football that's all he's being he's just being used and he's like you know what enough of this i appeal to caesar he says those two greek words but i also want you to notice something here Yes, as Jesus followers, we are not to vainly dwell on rights, fairness, or what we deserve. However, that does not mean we need to be doormats in unfair situations. Paul wisely leveraged human law with full integrity in order to further the gospel. When we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. However, when we focus on the Lord in unfair circumstances, our eyes begin to see that God can use injustice to accomplish His will. Bible says, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. It's okay to... To, to, to leverage a situation with integrity, what we don't do as believers is to force it from our flesh. But when we face an unfair circumstance or situation, we look to Jesus. That's what we do. That's all we can do. We don't lie, cheat, manipulate, manipulate the, the legal system to get what we want, manipulate our job, our boss to get what we want. We just look to Jesus because that's the promise of the gospel is that when we're in the unfair situation, we're not alone. We're there and we have Jesus with us. Here's this unfair situation that, that Paul finds himself in, but I, I, I want you to, to, to notice this is that we've talked about this a few weeks ago is, is all these unfair situations, is this is going to be a theme throughout the rest of the book of Acts. We're going to see this. We just have a couple chapters left is that all these unfair situations unfair trials everything happening it's all a part of god sending him to rome on a mission trip and along the way he's going to be talking to the most influential people in the entire roman empire all the way up to caesar so this is pretty cool god arranges for rome to pay for a mission trip and how's it paid? Well, he leverages unfair situations. Had Paul's focus been fairness, he would have appealed to Caesar two years earlier. But his focus was the gospel. And after two years of writing letters, it was time to go to Rome just as Jesus promised. Listen, when we focus on unfair and what's, what's, what our rights are, we tend to be, we become blind to what God is up to and what he's doing. But the converse is true. When we focus on Jesus in unfair circumstances, we see God's opportunities. If you're in an unfair situation at work, at school, unfair at home in your your marriage, in life, look to Jesus. Just look to him. Because when we look to him, we begin to see how he is leveraging those situations for us to accomplish his will. Then Festus, when he had conferred with with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. Now Festus, this is really an unfair situation for him. It's very unfair. This is his first couple weeks on the job now. And he has a doozy. He's got a rotten situation. He's inherited and he finds himself between these two parties. This guy hasn't done anything wrong. There's no reason for him to be here. These people want him dead. And he could lose control. And we know the peace of Rome is everything in Roman legal system. That's the job of the governors to keep the peace. And he's trapped. Well, in his first couple weeks on the job, Festus has already fumbled the ball with an embarrassing leadership mistake. He should have released Paul as soon as he found out what happened. But he fumbled that leadership mistake. Well, then his blunder will be has now been exposed before Caesar. He's now forced to send an innocent man to be tried before Emperor Nero, with no actual criminal charges. It's not very fair for your first couple weeks on the job. It's not. But fortunately, for Festus, some help arrives. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Okay, now this is, we don't need to go into this, but In the Roman system of government, they allowed regional kings to govern alongside of their regional governors. It's a complicated system, but there's a reason that's, that they did this. Well, one of those kings is King Agrippa. And so King Agrippa, he's he's you know king over Judea. And, and you look at this. And so we have Festus. He's brand new on the job. Hey, my name's Festus. Well, basically, Agrippa and Bernice, they're like, hey, we want to meet the new governor. Let's go see him. So they show up in Caesarea at the palace to meet him. Now, Agrippa, this is Agrippa II... And Bernice, they're brother and sister, but they're also married. Now, unless you're from Kentucky... It's just kind of weird, but this whole family is weird, and there's all these Herods in the New Testament, so real quick, family tree on this family. They are, they are one messed up family. So down here we have Bernice and Agrippa, you know, bro and sister, who are married. Well, uh, their father was Agrippa the first. This is the guy who, he, you know, he imprisoned Peter. This is the guy who, earlier on in Acts, when we read that James was killed, the first uh, apostle that was killed was James for his faith. Well, their uncle was Herod Antipas. This is the one that Pilate sent Jesus to when he was being on trial. That That was Herod Antipas. He's the one who actually killed John the Baptist. Remember this? Well, the big one is Herod the Great. This would be the great grandfather of Agrippa and Bernice. Herod the Great. I mean, he's the guy who who remodeled the temple. He was the big architect that 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 built all these these huge palaces all over the area. Um, some people have estimated that he is pro- possibly the richest human being to ever live. That's Herod the Great. He's also the one that's ruthless when the the Magi came. He had all the, the children two years and under killed at Bethlehem. So, rotten family. We've met somebody else from this family. You didn't even know it. It's Felix. <laughs> you know, Felix is part of this family. He married into it because he was married to Drusilla, which means that, that Felix, the guy who has been banished from the Roman Empire, his wife, Drusilla, is the sister of Bernice and Agrippa. This is a messed up, this is like the Kardashians of the first century. That's who, that's who they are. But, but notice, you know, with all this messed up family, they know Bernice and Agrippa the second, they know the Jewish people better than anybody. They're not Jews themselves, but they know them better than anybody. They understand how volatile the situation would be. They also know all about the way. They know all about Jesus and everything that happened and, and the resurrection. They know this stuff. So they're the perfect people to come and advise Festus on how to handle this volatile situation. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king. He said, hey, I need your help. Saying, there's a certain man left here, uh, left, uh, there's a certain man left a prisoner By your brother-in-law, Felix, (laughs) about whom the chief priests and the elders and the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction, that's to death, before the accused meets the accusers face to face. I mean, it's only fair that you meet your accusers. And has an opportunity to answer for themselves, himself concerning the charges against him, that you're able to to give a defense. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat, on the Bema seat, and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things, as I supposed there was nothing worthy of death. I I thought they were going to bring charges that were worthy of death. But some had questions against him, about their own religion, and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. This is really subtle here. It's really subtle. But by sanctioning an unjust trial, Festus, the likely unaware, has heard the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, Throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we'll see God leveraging Paul's defenses in unfair trials as substantial opportunities for him to share the gospel with the most influential people in the Roman Empire. But if Paul focuses on what's fair and what's not fair, he'll be blind to what God is up to. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters, but when Paul appealed uh, appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, uh, in the New King James or the King James, it says Augustus. Um, the the word is not referring to Emperor Augustus. It's it's a title for Caesar. It's another title for Caesar. It, it would probably be better to translate something like you know the emperor, the emperor's decision. Okay. That's That can be confusing because it's Emperor Nero. So, to be reserved for the decision of the emperor. I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, "I I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. Again, Paul faces another unfair hearing. What you have to understand here is Agrippa has no authority over Paul at this point. None. He has has no jurisdiction in this court case. Yet Paul's going to have to go up again and offer another defense and another unfair hearing. This is getting old. And there's nothing he's going to say that hasn't been said already. Well... According to the law, Paul, as a Roman citizen, had already appealed to Caesar, and that's where Paul's next legal hearing should take place. Had Paul's focus been fairness, he would have missed what God was doing. Instead, this unfair circumstance provides Paul the opportunity to testify before a king. Does that sound familiar? We read this. As we go through Acts, that's why we read verse by verse. It all connects together because this was promised to happen. Remember this? All the way back when Paul met Jesus on the road and he goes to Ananias and the Lord is speaking here, but the Lord said to Ananias, "'Go, this man,' Paul, this guy who used to be out there hunting down Christians, "'this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles.'" and their kings and to the people of israel i will show him how much he must suffer for my name it's not going to be fair but he needs to suffer in order for my will to be done praise god paul was in unfair situations and circumstances that's why we have most of the new testament made up of the letters he wrote during these unfair situations But when we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. Verse 23. So the next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come, oh sorry. The next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp, and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at Festus's command. Paul was brought in. Okay, we've seen this picture, got this picture from Pastor John a few weeks ago. Here's the theater. Here's the amphitheater at Caesarea. Right right here, this little, where the circle is, that, that notch right there in the stands, that's the bema seat. Pastor John has stood right there. That is where Bernice and... And Agrippa the Second and Festus, they would be on that platform right there. Paul would be down here guarded by by the the the, the guards and on the stage. Now it talks about the soldiers and its great pomp and it's it's, it's all this this probably flags and you have all the soldiers there looking this. This is turned into a media circus that makes the OJ Simpson trial look like nothing. This is bigger than Tanya Harding. This is a show trial. This is, you know, the chance for them to get their best, you know, royal robes and and look all fancy and the, the, and the stands are filled with the most influential and the elite of their society, the richest people of their society. But I want you to notice the most ironic statement that Luke writes in this passage. Look, look back at verse 23 again. At Festus' command, Paul was brought in. Question. At whose command was Paul brought in? It's ironic that it says at Festus' command, Paul was brought in. God is in charge here. Festus, Agrippa, Bernice, this whole show, this pomp that they're, they're showing off, all their royal robes. Well, at Festus' command, bring the prisoner in! The crowd's like, oh, boo! I'm in charge. Bring, you, this reminds me so much of what Jesus said. When he faced an unfair trial under Pilate. Remember, Pilate had the same position that Festus has. Only Festus has more territory. But Pilate's like, don't you understand? I have the power to free you. At my command, I could free you. Well, Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Festus thinks he's in charge? Nah, God didn't cause Paul's unfair circumstances. No. God doesn't cause evil. It's against his character, his nature. God doesn't cause the unfair circumstance you find yourself in right now. No more than he caused the evil trial that led to Jesus' crucifixion. But both crooked trials were the result of the fallen kingdom of man. However, the wonder of the Lord is that He can leverage injustice to orchestrate the advancement of the kingdom of God. But when we focus on what's unfair, we become blind to God's opportunities. I'm going to have Jennifer come on up here as we close. But my question for you is, are you focused on what's unfair? I mean, it's not fair that I'm injured, that I have this health crisis. It's not fair. It's not fair that I get overlooked at work all the time. It's not fair that my boss takes credit for all my ideas. It's not fair. It's not fair that I didn't get into this school. I I, I worked so hard. That's not fair. It's not fair that everybody in my family, I, I'm like still treated like I'm the baby of the family, I'm tired of it. That's not fair. I'm an adult now. It's not fair. It's not fair that they get this brand new, beautiful truck and I'm still driving this fiat. Fiat. I don't know where that came from. A gremlin. It's not fair that other people don't have to face racism like I do. It's not fair that other people don't have to deal with cancer, but I do. It's not fair that all the people that I love in this world have, have turned their back on me. It's not fair. Other people don't have to have an alcoholic father. That's not fair. All of these unfair situations that we live in, all of this, We need to understand that a lack of fairness in life may just unlock your understanding of the wonder of God and how He works. So what do you do in unfair circumstances? Don't focus on what's not fair. Focus on Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Because when we focus on Jesus in unfair circumstances we will see God's opportunities. Lord, I don't need to have people raise hands or stand up or do some altar call if they're facing an unfair circumstance or situation. I don't need to because I know that every person in this room can relate to feeling thrown away. I know everyone here faces unfair circumstances because, Lord, this is an unfair, fallen world, and we live in the thick of it. So, Lord, in your name right now, I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice, whether they're here, whether they're online, whatever circumstance they're facing that's rotten, whatever circumstance they're facing that is just tragic, Whatever circumstance, is just completely not right, not fair. We didn't ask for these situations, but they happen. Whoever they are in this room or online, within the sound of my voice later, wherever they are, Lord, I pray over them that you would empower them to look to Jesus. That in the midst of every unfair circumstance, they would know they're not alone instead of complaining about it or whining about it like I know I so often do, Lord, we look to you because you are our hope. You are our salvation. And this life, this world is the kingdom of man. But we are citizens in the kingdom of God. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to what you're up to. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.